You are listening to Open Science Talk, the podcast about open science. In this episode, we are exploring a student's perspective on doing open science, and specifically replication studies. Christopher Klevier recently finished his master's degree in psychology at UIT, the Arctic University of Norway, and has now taken on a PhD. But already, as a master's student, he was involved in replication studies, and we want to know more about his experiences as a student. Christopher Klevier, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. And Christopher, you recently finished your master's degree in psychology here at UIT, the Arctic University of Norway, and you just started a PhD. But during your master's thesis, you performed a replication study. Yeah, uh, as a part of my master's thesis, one of the tests we used was um, was used through a replication project. So we replicated that one test and then we built on it. So what exactly was it that you did? Was it as a student team that together did a replication? Uh, well, it was my, um, my supervisor suggested the test. And then as a part of that replication team, we have to pre-register the whole uh, the procedure. We had to make some videos showing us performing the test, etc. And then we had to uh, all on open science framework and then upload the data to that project as a replication project in itself. And then all other tests were done after and built on the. But was it sort of, uh, could you call it a research project or was it more like a, a small model that sort of similar to a research project? Well, we utilized a lot of different tests and we got a lot of data. Uh, so only part of that data was used for my master's thesis because it's it was too much, way too much, too many tests to pre- condense it down into a master's thesis. So we're still using it. And as of now, we're piloting a um, build on that project as well, which was uh, also built on another project. So it's, of course, it's a nice flow. But as a, um, as a student doing a replication study, what did you learn? Well, um, I'll be honest, when I started out, it was my, as I said, I was involved or engaged in open science. I liked movement and everything, but I, when I got pitched doing a replication project, to me, that wasn't, that was a minor thing. I thought, okay, of course I can make a video and nice to get some feedback before you're done collecting data but it didn't feel in the beginning as something that would be a, a big thing. It's, but in the end, it turned out to be extremely helpful for me as a student to yeah, have done this. What would you say it would give to people out, uh, apart from yourself as a student? Well, uh, it depends on what level you are on. It might be better suited for bachelor projects. If you are doing, then you could do just a pure replication project. And because you get so much feedback in their way from reviewers outside of Norway, they go through your uh, OSF project page, they review your videos, your uh, everything. 
Uh, so it's, yeah, it's helpful. Uh, so what was the original article or study that you replicated? Uh, so the project overall wanted to look at the role of effort into deliberate reasoning. It's within cognitive psychology. And the replication was a test devised by uh, called uh, the <coughs> demand selection task. It's uh, originated from Cool and Maguire, Rosen and Botwinnik in 2010. And it's an experimental uh, setup where they try to quantify your degree of avoidance of effort, cognitive effort. So what did you replicate? Well, uh, we found a lot of issues with, we, we replicated their test. We used their exact materials and everything, but we didn't get the same results as they did. But was the original study also published openly with the data sets shared openly? I met back in 2010, this was perhaps not the... It's, I, I would say it's semi-open at least, or it's... The collaborative replications and education project, which was the coordinator of that replication effort, they have been in contact. So we had the original scripts and everything for the test. Yeah. So with these original scripts, you could sort of try to replicate what they did. Yeah. To keep it as identical as possible. And uh, you mentioned earlier that you got feedback and reviews from even outside of Norway. H how did that happen? Well, that was through, uh, through the project coordinators. So in order to be a part of that replication effort on an international level, <laughs> uh, you will have to pre-register your methods and everything. And then they will send that out to voluntary reviewers from other universities, uh, which will then review your project before you start data collection in order to see that everything's up to standard. That's fascinating that students here at UIT get feedback, not just from their supervisor locally, but from an international yeah. collegium. So, and I think another very beneficial thing from that is that even if your supervisor isn't into open science or haven't done a lot of replications or pre-registrations, you as a student could actually pitch to your supervisor to do a replication project if you do it through one of, in your area, a suitable replication provider. So you don't necessarily need to have your supervisor on board from to begin with. No, I, I was lucky. So I had that, but even I, I think I haven't done it of course, but I think even with a non-open science C supervisor, you could still do open science. How does this benefit your supervisor? Well, first of all, uh, a lot of bachelor projects they are quite often nothing or piloty projects, which don't end up being anything. <laughs> uh, but uh, when doing a replication project, it would, for the supervisor, increase the chances of a publication. It would decrease the amount of work needed because other people are involved. The materials are ready. So you could say that instead of a supervisor designing 
the project for the student, the, the student has all the material already uh, because it's been pre-registered yeah. elsewhere and the data sets have been shared in the same um, the same uh, experiments. Yeah, and unless you are the first lab doing a replication of a project, others will have done it already. So the student could even model or yeah, look for guidance for from others. Christopher, you made a presentation at uh, the Munich conference of 2019, where you argued that having had this experience, it actually changed the way you personally read and evaluate research articles. Absolutely. And I think that was the most beneficial thing for me. So I thought I was pretty good at evaluating. I'm into statistics, so I'm used to being critical when I'm reading articles, but the amount of difficulty there is when you want to actually directly replicate something, that's something entirely different. So when I read articles now, it's I'm more aware of all the small details that's missing in the method section, which I know I would need if I were even trying to evaluate what does this really, what, what are they finding here? Sometimes the small details can matter a lot. So obviously for you who now pursue a career within academia as a PhD and all that, it's beneficial to have this experience. Um, but I guess that most uh, people who take a degree in psychology, they end up elsewhere uh, and as practitioners uh, within mental uh, health care institutions, etc. So how would you see that? Could it help them as well? Or would it be a waste of work for, for that kind of candidate in psychology? Well, uh, within Scandinavia, we have a pretty strong divide between clinical psychology and all other areas of psychology or more academically uh, psychology. So I, I personally would never be a practitioner because I'm not in, I wasn't enrolled into that line. Uh, however, I think even a practitioner with no research goals or aspirations at all would still benefit from knowing how the science is conducted that goes into what they need to know in order to perform their work later on, as well as you could take the completely selfish reasons they would have to do less work overall, or at least their work would be more quality assured from before they receive their grades. So at least if they care about their grades, doing a replication project would be beneficial. How about these replication studies that students do uh, and you have done? Can it also be a beneficial within academia or is it considered generally too small scale, not statistically value? Uh, well, I'm, I'm now also involved in another project with a psychological uh, science accelerator and uh, they are conducting a lot of replication projects and they just had some news now, but I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's 100 labs with each lab collecting 100 samples. So it's really high powered studies. So it's definitely useful for science as well. So it means that even though each student can't do that much by him or herself, 
that if you combine all these small replication studies, they they together have a quantitative or statistical value. Yeah. Is it so? So uh, the part of my master project, that replication project, I tested 40 people, uh, but uh, they had to be tested one on one. And the test, just the replication part took half an hour. So even <laughs> larger scale, it's still limiting how, how many people a single university could test. So in the original studies, I think they tested something like 27 subjects in that exact experiment. So we are already higher powered than they were in the original one. But how about yourself then? If we talked about the, the supervisor in general, but for yourself now in your PhD project, uh, how would you take this a step further? Will you be inclined to initiate uh, and even use um, the replication studies by students uh, and how do you see your role uh, in the future well definitely and that was sort of my main my main take-home message from my mooning talk as well is that even if you're completely selfish i would argue that doing open science and doing replication projects and pre-registration and all these things are beneficial for each and every one involved. It's not this alt it doesn't have to be altruism driving you. It's beneficial for you, whatever your role is. So I'll definitely keep doing it. And uh, another thing, like I mentioned for as potential supervisor, it's, I would argue it's also beneficial for them to have their students involved because they get so much more. I think they get a lot more, um, they can trust the collected data to another degree when it's more people involved, it's better documented, it's reviewed underway. So you get, yeah, hopefully you get better students and with better students, you get better data as well. So is there anything you would like to add here at the end of the program? I don't think so, except I would like to thank both the replication projects I've been involved with, the uh, collaborative replications and education project, and the psychological science accelerator, and my supervisor, uh, Gerrit Fuhl. And I would definitely recommend everyone listening, either you're a student or a supervisor, to see if there exists some sort of replication efforts within your field of study. Christopher Klavier, it has been a pleasure. Thanks. Hi everyone, this podcast is produced by the University Library at UIT, the Arctic University of Norway. Thanks for listening.